We do love to go back in time on this show and uh, by going way, way back to the time of the ancient Greco-Roman philosophy of Stoicism, you may well learn how to improve your mental health to help you navigate this chaotic world we live in today, to find calm, be good and work out what really matters in life to avoid a burnout. Uh, that's exactly what my next guest did. Now, Bridget Delaney was working as a journalist for The Guardian Australia when she was asked to look into the ancient principles of Stoicism for her uh, hugely popular weekly column, Bridget Delaney's Diary. And that was in 2018. And she says that now that uh, that chance encounter with Stoicism, uh, well, she said it's changed her life. So much so, she wrote a book about her experience, which is called Reasons Not to Worry, how to be stoic in chaotic times. And uh, I think, boy, did we need, need uh, some stoicism in the, uh, the last few years we've had, didn't we, Bridget? We sure did, Suzanne. It, it came in very handy um, during the pandemic or during those years of, of lockdowns and uh, it uh, continues to play a, a big role in my life. Mm, um, did you ever think that three men who lived uh, thousands of years ago would provide you with the answers that you need to survive modern life? They, they are my three wise men, um, but no, I'm I'm quite surprised that you know that they're the people that have ended up being kind of the most useful in terms of philosophies that I've I've really latched onto. Mm, who are these three wise men? So they're, they're Roman Stoics, um, Epictetus, who was born a slave and his mother was a slave, um, lamed by a master, and then later freed and became a great sort of teacher of Stoicism. Um, Seneca, who uh, also Roman Stoic, a brilliant playwright, political advisor to Nero and um, Stoic philosopher. And then uh, the final person I looked at was Marcus Aurelius, who's... Um, you know, Roman emperor, um, most powerful man in the world at the time and writer of the amazing kind of diaries, meditations, which, you know, still, um, you know, still is in the top 100 best of all bestsellers or not bestsellers, best books of all time. And um, you can buy meditations today. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got a copy on my bookshelf I've never properly read, so perhaps I should. Mm. Uh, we think of anxiety, don't we, Bridget, as a, a modern affliction, but the Stoics referred to it regularly in their writing. Uh, what were they so anxious about? They lived in a, a very, um, you know, challenging time, probably not unlike our own. So there were, there were lots of plagues, there was pestilence. Um, they didn't have modern medicines, so, you know, uh, Children died young, women died in childbirth. Um, there was a, a very intense political scene, so you could be, um, you know, murdered or there could be like a, you know, a decree that you be killed by your boss if you'd upset, you know, a political opponent or someone powerful, you, you'd be exiled. So it was a, a, a pretty hectic time and um, the... The Stoics were very practical, um, ethical people who developed a philosophy to navigate, you know, uncertainty that they couldn't control, but also our relationships with each other. 
Um, I did touch on it a bit there in the intro, Bridget, but take us back to where this all started for you and how you came across Stoicism back in 2018. So I, I did a, I was doing a weekly column and I mean, it's, it can be difficult each week to come up with something new. And one of my friends who worked on the foreign desk um, at the Guardian got a press release saying, um, you know, advertising Stoic Week, which was a, I think it was at the University of Sussex. So I enrolled in that and did it. And it didn't take it very seriously and wrote kind of a humorous column about it. And then got a lot of feedback from people who'd done Stoic Week um, saying that, look, I should have taken it more seriously. It's a brilliant philosophy. And um, perhaps I should, you know, have another look at it. Um, and I did that. So I, the next year I redid Stoic Week just on my own time and got a number of friends to do it with me and we formed a WhatsApp group and we, we met um, during that week and we chatted about our own lives and problems and how we'd apply Stoicism to those um, problems. And, yeah, I, I, really, I really liked it the second time around and, um, and then continued the study of it with another friend and um, then the pandemic happened and all that kind of, all that study really um, came into its own. So what, what do you actually do during Stoic Week? Well, you're given, um, it's an online community, so mm-hmm. anyone can join. I encourage people to, to Google it, um, join up, it's free. Um, so the, the facilitator will post readings, a discussion question, exercises, and you kind of do something every day around different different themes. So, yeah, it's a it's a self learning online course, which is yeah really great. People people do it all you know from all around the world. Mm. What time of year is it? So I'm just starting to think I should book myself in for Stoic Week. <laughs> oh, I actually can't remember. I can't remember. No, um, don't worry, I'll find yeah. out. I'll figure that out, uh, Bridget. <laughs> so um, so once we hit the pandemic, were your friends all like, um, "Hey, Bridget, can you help me with how to be stoic during this chaotic period?" Yeah, absolutely. Um, people just joked that I was probably the best prepared person uh, that they knew for the pandemic, which was quite funny. Um, since I'd never considered myself, you know, much of a prepper or someone that would be strong in in times of chaos, but um, you know, surprisingly, the Stoics wrote from that from that point of a lot of chaos. So it, I was able to, you know, post stuff on Instagram, share stuff on Twitter, and people, you know, people found it really helpful. So yeah, it was great. So what what is the sort of the core principles then of stoicism? It's it's far deeper than going, I'm just going to put on a stiff upper lip and, and get through this, isn't it? Yeah, it's got really nothing to do with stiff upper lip. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> um, it's the, the main principle, the first principle is this thing called the control test, which basically says you can only control three main things in life and that's your character, your actions and reactions and how you treat others. And everything else is out of your control. So um, you may think that your health is in your control because you can um, decide, you know, your diet is is under your control and how you exercise and, you know, how you healthy you see a doctor. But you could get hit by a bus. You could be in an accident. Um, you can do everything, um, you know, that, that the health advice suggests and you can still get sick. So our bodies aren't in our full control. Our reputations aren't in our control. We can 
we can try and and you know have a good character, but someone could could you know make up stuff about us or you know so there's so much out there that's not within our control and the stoics tried to just be tranquil and not let things disturb them so the control test was really important um and they they were like if you can't control it then don't worry about it like don't stress about it Bridget when you started trying to apply that to your own life what were the kinds of things that you had to to let go of thinking you could control so, I mean, I had an example last week. I, um, you know, like a lot of people, uh, buying a, I was buying an apartment and I attended an auction. And, of course, I loved this apartment. It was a gorgeous little, beautiful, you know, unique, um, fell in love with it, already worked out where to put all the furniture. Um, and it went far above the, the money I had. So... I didn't have control over whether or not I got that apartment. You know, I, I just, there were a lot of other bidders and, I mean, I could have vastly extended myself, but I had to go into that auction using the stoic control test, which is the outcome of this auction, you know, is not within my control, you know, because there are there could be many other bidders with much deeper pockets and that turned out to be the case. So I, I missed out on the apartment and then I, I didn't really give it a second thought you know I haven't I haven't let it disturb my tranquility and I've just moved on whereas without stoicism that type of thing might have really upset me for quite a while. I mean and this is the idea from the stoics that we shouldn't make judgments that a lot of what we call good or bad and you would have called this a bad experience a few years ago but it's actually neutral just explain that a bit more to us. So um the stoics and Marcus Aurelius writes a lot about this which is like we call something good or bad. You know, we say it's bad that I missed that on that apartment. But that's a judgment we're putting on it that doesn't necessarily have a basis in reality. So, for example, um, I might buy that apartment because I think it's a good investment and then the property market crashes or interest rates rise, which is also outside my control, or I might lose my job and be unable to afford this apartment or it could have a, a structural defect. So that then the apartment becomes bad, you know. So it's it things shift a lot, and we're often not fully we we often don't have like a full suite of information in our possession. We just we desire something, we want it uh, because we think it's good. But you know, it's actually most things are quite neutral. So should you prepare for things that are, well, you would have thought of as, as bad? I mean, do you have to prepare for bad things happening then or is it about judging each thing as it does happen? I Not judging each thing. Yeah, I think there are some things that we can we can say are bad. Like I think um, the death of loved ones is, you know, it's very hard to, it's very hard to put a positive spin on that. So the Stoics, when they were dealing with death, um, used this technique which they called negative visualisation, which is actually imagining the bad thing happening, um, like imagining a, a loved one, a close friend, a parent, a child dying, just a little, you know, you have just a quick glimpse of it and then you, you move on. But it's, it forms a sort of inoculation so that when that person does die, um, you're less you know, um, shocked, I guess, because it's something that you've been imagining happening. Um, now, a lot of people find that a really sort of tough element of stoicism, the um, the death aspect. 
But, I mean, the Stoics were in that time where, you know, like Marcus Aurelius, I think, lost nine of his 14 children. Um, Seneca lost a, a, a child as in, when the child was an infant. So they were dealing with, you know, grief a lot of the time and they just had to have some sort of, um, I guess, practice that made it less painful. And, I mean, they, these were obviously much harsher times where you were more likely mm. to get sick and, and die and all mm. this kind of thing. So, but, so has Stoicism, I guess, adapted itself in any ways for the 21st century to say, well, it's not so likely those things will happen uh, today as it was back then. Maybe we don't all need to sit around imagining our friends and family dying. Uh, if you can introduce me to someone that is um, immortal, I'd love to meet them. We're, we're all going to die. Um, whether, whether or not we die young, you know, it's less likely. But we will lose everyone um, if we don't go first. So that practice is still incredibly important um, because everyone will die and we will die. And as we age or possibly even before we get old, you know, we, we will start to lose things. And it's incredibly important that we we think about that and we prepare for that. So I think that stoic practice is still really relevant. Uh, Bridget Delaney is here. She's the author of Reasons Not to Worry, How to Be Stoic in Chaotic Times. Now, one of my texters, Bridget, says, oh, this is a cop-out mentality. Successful people say if it's going to be it's up to me, not sort of say, you know, what the world delivers will deliver. Now, is, is that what Stoicism says, though, that you can't um, make your way and make your own success? Absolutely not. Like the Stoics were incredibly successful um, people. They were, a, lot, a lot of them were involved in politics and um, were movers and shakers at the time, but they also, they also believed that if something didn't work out, it, it wasn't a cause to sort of fall in a heap. You could just try something else. So they weren't so invested that, you know, if, um, yeah, if they, if they didn't achieve an ambition, it, it, it would um, upset them too much. So, they're, yeah, they're not passive people at all, but they're, um, you know, they also just work, you know, they realise the limits of their control. So I think you can, you know, you, you can have that philosophy and also be quite driven and quite ambitious. So there's room, just kind of, there's room for joy sorry, and, and fully embracing life? Absolutely. I mean, the Stoics were really joyful people and a lot of this philosophy is, you know, an attempt to minimise um, distress. You know, it's an attempt to minimise suffering. So, uh, you know, a lot of the practices... Uh, to to a, what they call the second injury. So the second injury is, say, if you lost your job, that's the first injury. Um, you know, it's obviously going to be painful to be fired or to have no income. But the second injury might be the resentment that you feel towards your employer, the anger that you have. Um, you might get depressed and not be able to go back and find another job. So that's the second injury that the Stoics say you can avoid um, by you know, um, taking control of those emotions.
Now, I know in your book, Bridget, you you give the example of um, a Vietnam War pilot who ended up getting shot down and spending many years in a, in a prison and, and went in. He'd, he'd actually been practicing stoicism, applied that during during that period, and found that you know, he was he basically got through it much better than many other people did. Yeah, he he was amazing. Um, he um, he studied um, he studied philosophy at Stanford before he was a pilot, and um, was shot down. His his name was James Stockdale. For those that are interested in his story, Admiral James Stockdale. So he studied um, he studied philosophy at Stanford with a focus on Epictetus. Um, then went to Vietnam, was shot down, and as he was falling through the air he thought to himself, I am um, leaving the world of technology and I'm entering the world of the ancients. I'm entering the world of Epictetus. And then spent the next seven years in a prisoner of war camp um, and he had a number of, of men under him and he he commanded them in a Stoic fashion. So he used the Stoic principles not only for his own survival but he instructed his fellow prisoners um, on Stoicism and they had, you know, an incredible rate of survival. Um, so yeah, he's an amazing. It's an amazing story if you can um, check him out. Yeah, and it's it was more for him, I think, about getting through each individual day rather than dwelling on by Christmas I'll be out of here, by Easter I'll be out of here. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that Seneca says is um, uh, cease to hope and you'll cease to fear, which is an interesting. You know, it's an interesting quote. It's quite anti-modern to um, not believe in hope. But when, you know, the Stoics talk about hope, they say if you if you hope for something, you're then leaving it to chance and that doesn't sort of fit nicely with the control test because you can't control whether or not you're going to be rescued in that camp. Like you can't control whether or not the next bit of torture or beating that you have is is going to kill you. So if you hope, that you will be released by Christmas, you could be extremely disappointed when that doesn't come to pass. And that's what killed a lot of or destroyed a lot of people's spirits in those environments was when Christmas came and they were still incarcerated. So, Bridget, does this idea of, you know, not crying and not getting upset that I think a lot of us use uh, when we think of the word stoic today, does that actually have any application? No, I I mean, the stoics cried. They you know, they they had the full, you know, expression of emotion that we all have. But they just didn't cry for years and years and years <laughs> if something <laughs> went wrong. You know, I mean, Seneca talks about weeping at funerals of his friends or weeping on hearing about the death of friends. But then he also talks about how, how it's important not to weep, you know, excessively or not to weep for, for long periods of time. Um, I don't know how the word got kind of bastardised, but it, it did and it, it now means something that really is, I think, quite far from what the philosophy actually um, is about. So when we got to the pandemic then, Bridget, how did you find that you were actually able to deal with everything that was happening using those principles or were there parts of that were actually quite challenging for you still? It was definitely really challenging because I was learning it during the pandemic. So I was applying it um, often for the first time. So um, things like the 5K rule, I, I was in Sydney, the 5K rule, which, you know, it's like, oh, really? I, I, I can't, you know, I think mine ended on the sands of Bondi Beach. And, um, you know, I 
that rule was out of my control. You know, it was uh, a lot of the, the things in that time were out of my control. So uh, it provided a really interesting real life experiment of the control test. Um, and it made me realize that even though I, I wanted to go further than the 5K or there were all these things I wanted to do, um, it was outside my control to do them. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was a really interesting laboratory, <laughs> stoic laboratory. So now that you are a stoic, do you need to keep reading and reminding yourself of, of what you've, you've learned? Sort of, you know, do you do stoic week and you come out a stoic or is it now a sort of a lifelong journey to become, I don't know, more stoic? It's interesting. I'm I'm finding it's a lot like, um, I guess, any religion or philosophy. Like, it, like I, I was brought up Catholic, and you know, there is a reason why you go to mass every Sunday, and there is a reason why the Bible is read to you each, each, you know, each mass. Like, there's two stories from the Bible. There's a sermon. It is to embed the religion in your consciousness on a regular basis for the rest of your life because. It's not just set and forget. You have to keep going back to it. You have to keep reminding yourself of the lessons. And unfortunately, stoicism, you know, has that as well. Like I, I will, I can be very unstoic. I can be very cranky, and um, um, and I have a lot of, you know, just the human stuff of wanting stuff that's out of my control. And I have to keep going back to meditations by Marcus Aurelius, the works of Seneca, Epictetus, who just doesn't mince his words. So. You know, my own book, uh, it's, it's, um, it's going to probably be a lifelong practice. Now, um, you also write, Bridget, that the Stoics welcomed hard times like a well-prepared student welcomes an exam. So by all rights, you should have welcomed the, uh, the pandemic because it gave you a chance to test everything out. <laughs> I, was did... still, I was still very early in my, my Stoic um, study, though, so I, I hadn't quite mastered the material to sit the exam, which was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but some of some of the ancients they did things like they'd, you know, sort of practice fasting or going without decent food for a while, thinking, well, this will prepare me should I ever have to face this situation. Absolutely. So yeah, they um I mean Seneca has this great I mean there's this great book called Um Uh Letters to Lucilius, which is Seneca writing to a younger friend and uh, about, you know, how to apply stoicism in all areas of life. But you know, he talks about um, eating hard bread, sleeping on a hard floor, um, going without food for a number of days, and then when y- you eat again, you're filled with gratitude at you know the fact that you do have food. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's lessons that we can still apply today. Now, if people want to start somewhere, of course, they can pick up a copy of uh, your book. But is there any advice that you'd give someone feeling overwhelmed and, and stressed right now? Just apply the control test that I spoke about earlier. Like it's a very elegant, very simple sorting mechanism. You know, is it, you know, you can control your character, your actions and reactions and how you treat others, but everything else is out of your control. So, um, you know, if you're going for a job, you can prepare the best you can for the interview. Um, you can wear some really impressive clothes. You can get to the interview on time. You can do a great interview, but you don't know who the other candidates are or um, if there's someone more skilled than you. So just remember, you know, remember just to do your best. And if it if it works out, that's great. If it doesn't, just, you know, 
it's yeah, don't don't stress. That's right. It's neutral. It was a neutral experience. It's a neutral outcome. Yeah. Um, yeah theoretically, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, easier said than done, perhaps, which is why mm. you need to practice stoicism. You can't just say, right, yeah. stoic. Yeah. Um, now, Stoic Week will be uh, 6 to 12 November this year. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure you'd recommend it to me. But have you managed to get many of your friends on the, uh, the Stoic bandwagon since you've successfully uh, converted? I think it's more the opposite. So whenever I'm complaining to one of my friends about something, they will quote my own book back at me and laugh, which makes me extremely cross. <laughs> it happens literally every day. Um, so, yeah, I've created a rod for my own back. <laughs> so you're an imperfect stoic, but you're working on it. Uh, yeah, that's all we can do. Just, yeah. just try. <laughs> <laughs> hey Bridget, thanks so much for joining us on Nightlife. Thanks, Suzanne. Uh, that is Bridget Delaney. Her book is called Reasons Not to Worry How to Be Stoic in Chaotic Times. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au/slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.